What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, April 26, 2021, and this week's episode, That Wild Night in Jacksonville. We'll be talking everything UFC 261. Um, good way to say it is the good, the bad, and the ugly between the main card pay-per-view. We'll be talking about the latest in MMA news, the return of PFL, middleweight champion Israel Adesanya taking on Marvin Vittori in June, Dana White saying the promotion is looking to move on to Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis, and we'll top it off by talking about this coming Saturday's event, the return of former title challenger Dominic Reyes taking on the longtime Ryzen veteran Jiri Prochaska. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Can you still, are you still basking in the, uh, the glory of a live crowd? How, how are, how's your mind feeling coming off of what everyone at that show was saying was amazing? You know what? I do still feel that post-travel glow. Like, you know, you've gotten officially removed from your routine to do something else, and... So I am feeling it. I got um probably, and we talked about this off air, close to feels like 15 hours of sleep after essentially overnighting no sleep from Saturday to Sunday to get back to California. But I do feel good. And you know what? It, the fans were out in full force and it was a very nice experience, I got to say. What about you? How'd you enjoy the show? From home. It was uh, amazing. Um, I did have it actually on the whole time from the early prelim, so like 3 p.m. Pacific. And the sound of the crowd coming through the TV at that hour for the first fight blew me away. And it just got me so pumped up because not only has it been a long time since we've seen fans, heard fans, but for early prelims, usually it sounds like an apex fight at a main event. You know, <laughs> like it's just there's crickets. But uh, you heard DC on the Hel- on the DC Helwani show today saying there were like five thousand people or two thousand people already there for the early prelims. Did you were you guys able to hear that from where you were um, watching the fights? Is it did you get a sense that the crowd got there pretty early? Yes, um, we were in the the media room was set up pretty um pretty close to it wasn't a long walk to the main arena and you could definitely feel the noise. We were at. It was set up so it wasn't the nicest spot but I think that uh it was kind of like a what's a good way to describe it um it was not meant to be a media room it wasn't like a big conference room like some of the other venues have it was kind of more makeshift but they set up everything we needed but there's like you know the slanted ceiling so you know that there's supposed to be you know the stands and the seats over you so we could definitely feel the noise um, and yes, they were there early. Uh, Ariane Carnalosi taking on Liang Na, uh, like the girls right at the start, and they immediately get after it, and the fans get loud for it. It was definitely, you could tell, you could hear it, you could feel it. So, all of that definitely was true. Natalie, we could go very several different ways. I want to do this, let's break it down from the top down. I think that's the only way to talk about a night like uh, Saturday. Kamaru Usman, Jorge Masvidal. I I was telling one of the other reporters, Drake Riggs, I said, you know what, if it goes Usman, five-round decision, you can't really be surprised. If Masvidal were to go out there and just blitz him and take him out, you shouldn't be surprised. And I was like, if there's going to be a surprise, it's like Usman goes out there and just starches him early they're both fresh they're both still strong and fast and everything else still got all the power that would be one of the few scenarios where it's like dang that would be wild and you know what natalie it was wild (laughs) i you, you know what i think the biggest thing i was very impressed with was the versatility the multifaceted attack of uzman I felt like Masvidal, he was avoiding a lot, but he wasn't getting his own offense going. And I credit that to the fact that he felt like, I think he felt like he was a step ahead of uh, Usman. I think he felt like his speed and his flow, you know, respectfully, Usman, for all his power and his effectiveness, he can sometimes look like he's loading up and he's more of a plodding forward kind of guy out there, right? And I felt like Masvidal felt like he had that, you know, 
If it was a kickboxing match, he knows he's got his number any day of the week. I like that Usman was like, hey, am I going to go for the takedown? Load up with the power in the right hand. I felt like he identified which weapons he wanted to exploit. And he got Masvidal down early. Um, Masvidal, for the most part, great job avoiding taking a lot of damage. Works his way back up. Doesn't really get caught flush in that first round. I still felt like it was anybody's fight going into the second. We get going. A little more of the same. And once again, I feel like Masvidal was feeling himself. I think like, you know, he has the left hand down the whole time in the first round. And, you know, he's setting it up. It looks like he was maybe looking to work the leg kicks and maybe start to take off a little bit toward the middle of the fight. And then, you know what? He just doesn't get out of the way well enough, did he? And just Usman in range, steps, puts his full weight into that right hand. And I'm going to just say it right now. Corey Sanhagen should be pissed at Usman because he might have just stolen knockout of the year with that one. Sleeps Masvidal. No one saw it coming. I could tell you the media room went wild. I know the fans went wild. I'm pretty sure you woke up, baby Joe. It was wild. Um, wow. That's all I'm going to say. Have you ever tried to scream in a whisper? <laughs> Is that what that's, I was doing? <laughs> that's, what, no, that's what I was doing. Uh, because I didn't want to wake up Mr. Joe over there, and uh, thankfully he stayed asleep. But for for round, you know, the the three fights that we're going to get into the championship fights. I mean, I was like screaming, my whisp- whispering my screams because it was just thrilling. But but sticking staying to to the main event here, Jorge Masvidal is you know Mr. Slick with his boxing, but I was getting nervous. I mean, he had a, he had a good amount of right shots right hand uh, shots in the first round and I was like hey man like stop smiling stop acting like everything's cool um when he started getting really cocky in the second round putting his hands down I was just about to say like he needs to take this seriously he needs to show Usman respect and whammo knocked out knocked all the sweat out of his braids and I mean, it was a slobber knocker without the slobber because the way his head just whipped around, that's Concussion City there. He tells his kids on the mic that he's good, it's just a mosquito bite, but you know he was going to be hurting pretty soon after that, after the adrenaline wore off. It was shocking, stunning. The pictures of Joe Rogan reacting to to the knockout are hilarious, right, going going all over the internet. It's like Uh, he found out Spotify was going to give him another $100 million. uh, Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, um. It mostly pissed me off because Masvidal had, I mean, everyone knew it going into the fight, had the edge on the on the stand-up, and he just didn't respect Usman. He didn't take him seriously. You know, he, he references that era in, in the countdown and the interviews, like, oh, he had five rounds, he didn't hurt me, he punches like his, you know, like it's getting hit by a pillow. Okay, but you still got to prepare and you still got to figure that he's better and that he's more prepared too, uh, or meaning Usman. So it really pissed me off when when Masvidal essentially admitted that like I was not expecting that. I wasn't prepared for that. I prepared for wrestling. It's disappointing. It's disappointing that that was a strategy that no one thought twice about, that perhaps being ill-advised, incorrect, because Masvidal, this was his shot, his last shot at a title probably, and this could have been a win for him. It could have been an exciting win. And it just went the other way. He turned into a highlight reel for Kamara Usman. Kamara Usman is using his words, saying something, saying <laughs> the extra shots were super necessary. Like, that's just a burn. That's just a slap in the face after the punch in the face, you know? So, great for Usman. I don't know what this means for Masvidal, but I was disappointed. Uh, I was very disappointed. I can definitely imagine, like... And we'll talk about it a lot more at the end, but the pacing of that event, I felt like as a TV broadcast, probably one of the best nights you could script in terms of surprises, right? And the way it all played out. In terms of a pay-per-view TV broadcast that you put your money down to watch, I did discuss this with people. I, If you're a fan and you paid 70 bucks and you think about the way all five of these played out, how do you feel about the way your money was spent. Because, hey, you, did you pay for anything can happen? Yes. Were you hoping 
a lot more of it would happen? Probably. So I definitely understand what you mean in that way. But um, yeah, we could get into a little more of that at the end. I think it's easier to talk about uh, Masvidal. What I, uh, look, uh, we talked about it. I brought it up. He took a big gamble. He didn't. He held out for the big fight. He got the big fight. Credit to him in that way. But you know, on the flip side of the coin, he's now lost back-to-back fights with Usman. He only fought once last year. We are essentially about you know we're over the hump. We're about to hit the fifth month. He went. You might. You think about it. Heal from the knockout. Definitely take time off. You don't take a quick turnaround fight after a loss like that. You thinking even if he does come back in 2021 you know he may only fight at the end of the year so there's a lot of inactivity now right and I think that's that always was precarious when you consider he's a veteran he's been out a while etc etc you know what I mean yeah now the flip side of the coin he is still a big name and I do think there is still demand to see him fight he's also guaranteed that he will get a good payday if not not pay-per-view points likely unless he's a main event but he will still get a nice you know flat rate compared to what he was two years ago before he became street jesus you know what i mean yeah and what i will bring up the leon edwards nate diaz fight coming up if you ask me that's actually a win-win for jorge because let's say the winner is stuck waiting a long time for the outcome of Usman Covington, which we'll talk about right now. They might just say, you know what? I want to get paid. I need to fight. I need to stay active. Give me Street Jesus. Okay. If they decide, the winner of that one decides, nah, I want to take my time and wait. Well, now you got the guys coming off losses. Nate Diaz, Jorge 2, BMF run it back. Or Leon Edwards, Jorge, which we still haven't gotten. And you know that the three-piece in a soda thing is going to just get a whole remix if they were to fight. So, Jorge, it, look, it, does it take a hit? Yes. Are there still good options for him? I think that's pretty safe to say. So, I wouldn't be too worried about his immediate future. He's going to go home, rest up, heal up. But, you know, the demand to see him fight has not died. It, his chances in a championship fight that is more on hold for now would you agree and what would you like to bring up about his future if anything i agree we're on the same page here as disappointed as i was in the performance and the result because i am such a big fan um it was an extremely impressive win for Usman. i mean are you kidding me that's like the (laughs) that's that's going to be the the leading highlight on his reel so but but going for Masvidal, yeah, my my thought immediately was like, oh well, now he's gonna have to take that Leon Edwards fight when you know whenever after Leon fights Nate Diaz, and um, I didn't even think about this, which is so silly. But yeah, of course they're actually both easy options for Masvidal um, for the loser of that Edwards Diaz fight. That's gonna be who he fights next, and then the winner, I guess, will probably go for a title shot. I guess if it's Leon Edwards, I think for sure. If it's Nate Diaz. I don't know. He's just like floating between divisions, so it's kind of weird. But he's such a big name, they'd probably give him the title shot anyway because Kamaru's basically cleaned out the division. But we still have Wonder Boy. And, um, you know, that's 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 someone that's legitimately deserving a, a title shot uh, in the horizon there. So. And the Wonder Boy's got a big fight himself with Gilbert Burns, so that's, that's, right. not, yeah. even, that's not even a lock. That's how good it's getting right now. Welterweight, mm-hmm. which I really like. Um, Kamaru Usman, I mean... 14 wins in a row in the UFC. Unreal, dude. Only Anderson Silva has more with 16. And the only... There's four... So it's Silva, Usman. The other three guys who have done it, Demetrius, Holloway, Habib. A lot of one-name fighters. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. he is in rarefied air. When people talk about, like, well, you know, the welterweight goat and, you know, him and GSP... I will say that GSP had that longevity. He had a lot more in title fights, but I'm going to it's kind of like LeBron and Michael Jordan just with less separation because you can make the argument that the guys right now are so much more versatile and well-rounded compared to when GSP, you know, in the early years was running it. You know, there are a couple guys out there you could argue they were nowhere near as multifaceted as the guys Usman has fought in recent years. 
So, you know, once again, it's hard to say anyone tops a legend like GSP just for how consistent he was when he did it. But to disrespect Usman and the pedigree and just his resume as it stands right now, you just can't do that. He is on a special run himself, and I think he deserves the credit. He's now doing it with style, if you ask me, in these last four fights. Even the Masvidal fight notwithstanding, he took a lot of changes, and he did what he had to do to win and shut out a tough guy for five rounds. So that I think he's in great company. The only thing I could say now is... um. The Usman-Covington fight is always going to sell. Stylistically, they provide so many fun challenges for each other competitively. I don't like too many rematches for a guy because you always want something new, right? That's my one knock on the Covington rematch is that, you know, I kind of almost want Leon Edwards because Leon, at least he's so much further removed from when we saw him fight Usman. I feel like you would think it would be something different. It's not as fresh in our minds. But when you look at it, I mean, there's plenty of things that make sense about the Covington rematch. And so I get the booking of it. But, you know, if I'm I'd be lying if I said I don't want to almost see something new for Kamaru. So that's where I'm at. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I I mean, the fight was with the Colby Covington Kamaru's fight was competitive until it wasn't right. Then Usman took charge, took over, smoked him, broke Colby Covington's jaw. I don't want to see that. I don't need to see that fight again. Like we've seen what he did to Hori Mazadal. There's like the chances are pretty good. He's going to, he's going to blitz Covington too. He's did it to, to just did it to Gilbert Burns. So like, I don't need to see that fight. Colby Covington should fight somebody else. Get back in line. Like you can't just, uh, whatever. It's getting personal for me in case you can't tell. <laughs> I'm not a Covington fan, but uh, I think Leon Edwards should get that. Should he win against Nate Diaz? Just get some fresh, fresh opponent in there. And like, Man, Kamara's on this streak. He's he's like they're lining him up. He's knocking him down. So I would like to see for his legacy. I would like to see him fight someone new. He can circle back to Covington. Let's let it marinate a little bit more. I mean, they're not going to obviously, but I would have liked to have seen it marinate a little bit more. Let's see how Kamara deals with Leon Edwards after that with Wonder Boy Thompson. Like this is what I would like to see for him. This would really cement his legacy. Like undeniably the best welterweight ever. Um, but okay, we go back to Covington. It's fine. It sells, it sells, uh, pay-per-views. It gets eyeballs. I get it. One thing I will bring up is that we're in that tough situation now because assuming Usman holds, now you have a very bottleneck situation because Leon fights in T minus three weeks now. Wonder Boy doesn't fight till July. And then, so it's like, well, someone once again gets screwed, right? Someone's Mm -hmm. stuck waiting. Or, you know, Nate Diaz, he could flip the script on a lot. I'm going to give him that credit there. You know, he's certainly done it before with Conor McGregor. So you just have quite the interesting situation at welterweight. And, you know, I hate to say it, but once again, you just have another situation. Someone's getting the short end of the stick. But, um, yeah, I think that they'll find a way to figure it out. Somebody's going to have to take a fight they probably don't want, but... I hope they give these guys, you know, the bump they deserve. Especially a guy like Leon, who's been consistent a while. And certainly if they do something like, let's say Thompson were to do a little like, hey, I'm going to be waiting anyway. Let's do an NMF versus BMF. I hope they, you know, they they figure out a way to give that fight its shine in the interim. So that's the only way you make these pieces work with the current calendar. And that's assuming Usman fights again in 2021. I mean, after, you know, you think he just did this in March, it could be a minute, so. He definitely deserves a break. He wants to take his daughter on vacation, right? So, yeah, it it could be a while before we see him. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, That's certainly what's next at Welterweight. We'll be talking about that very soon when we talk about the Houston event in about three weeks. The strawweight division. What can you say about Rose Namajunas? I mean... (laughs) Uh, you know what? I, I will say this. Best performance of her career, even though it only lasted about a minute. I, I think that um, you knew Whaley was tough. I really, I'll be honest, I was shocked that Whaley kind of stood there and watched her as long as she did. Uh, look, it's a very high level setup. You've seen a couple of guys do it. I will say it's probably been a very long time since we saw someone 
land a shot like that in such a high stakes fight, let alone a title fight. You know, look low, go high, and she's got that dexterity and speed to land the head kick right there, pretty much from standing still. And uh, yeah, Wei Li just, she was expecting a low one. Um, I felt like Rose was doing a good job mixing it up. They were still in that warm-up portion. Certainly, they hadn't gone into a long fight just yet, but man, you know what? If you don't need it, you don't need it. And the fact is, Rose Namajunas didn't need more time to get the setup and the finish she needed. In under two minutes, knocks out a very girl who hadn't lost in a long time in um, Zhang Wei Li. What were your thoughts? It was a beautiful, spectacular victory. I think we kind of got, it was so early in the fight. Yes, the, I, we just, it was just kind of that like feeling each other out period. Whaley had landed a, a handful of leg kicks. And so I started at that point thinking, oh, that's going to be trouble for Rose. You know, she better figure something out, you know, be a little more evasive, which she already is. And I was almost getting like lulled into the moment. Maybe Whaley Zhang did too. And then Rose steps forward with her left foot and then flips the kick with the same leg. Whammo! I mean, nobody saw that coming as far as the manner in which Rose was going to win. A knockout, round one, head kick? Are you kidding me, bro? Now, I did pick her to win, but I said five rounds. I think I said by decision. But, you know, Kamar Usman, I guess, did predict it in the, in the embedded, right? He said it was gonna, <laughs> he could smell a knockout. But, oh, Lord, what a beautiful, beautiful display of martial arts. And the celebration after, the emotions really after pouring out from her, from Pat Barry, of course, from Joe Rogan. And then on the flip side, you know, Whaley's contesting the stoppage. She just really doesn't know where she is, what happened. You know, the next day she posts on Instagram or maybe maybe two days later, obviously she's she's come to terms with it and accepts it and is moving on, moving forward, I should say. But it, it was just perfection. And so happy to see Rose win, to find out that she is the first female to regain her belt, which I never processed until they put the stat in my face. Um, but yeah, obviously, like we've seen Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm, Misha Tate, like they've never been able to come back from losing their belt. Rose Namajunas did it. It was amazing. I, I'm I'm jealous of having of you being able to have been there. It must have been like an ecstatic scene, um, and the energy must have been unreal. You know, I think that the context of it probably was what hit you the most was that, um, and I think that's why when you saw the reaction of Zhang Wei Li, um, the way it was, uh, we know what was said, and the fact is, she clearly wanted to represent for herself much more than she did after all that. I, you can only imagine. And then for Rose, um, she's had a very uh, just wild career when you think about it, just a lot of ups and downs, and you know, I think when you acknowledge how young she was when she made it to tough through the finals and lost to yeah. Carla. And, you know, she had her setbacks, you know, she lost to um, uh, Kovalkiewicz and mm -hmm. that was that would have been a title shot for her losing to Jessica Andrade. And, um, you know, and then you look at it when you look at the Rose who fought Jessica the first time and you look at the Rose who fought Wei Li. And then you take into account just the now it's almost like an anomaly, the way that how close the fight was with Jessica Andrade in the rematch last summer. And it's like, you know, you know how great she can be. And I think it's almost perplexing when she doesn't hit a level 11 like she did on Saturday. And I think that that's one of the things that, you know, now leads to it. And I've heard a few people, Brett Okamoto, especially like when she is on, she's probably the most talented you know, straw weight out there yeah, um, in the world with the in that division when you look at the top three or top four that they've had. And I agree with them. I think that when you talk about her ground game and just how good her striking can be, that is just a dangerous package wrapped up all in one. Um, so it, I appreciated how emotional she was. And we know that she's had her love-hate relationship with all the attention of being a UFC champion. I will say that I feel like we're in a different time right now. You've had quieter champions like your Robert Whitakers, like Kamaru that, you know, I, how do I put this? If she doesn't hit Ronda Rousey levels of like 
every fight there's like a bajillion reporters outside of MMA talking to her, I would I think she'd be happy. And I think that you know, with as active as the UFC is, I don't think she has to worry about that as much as maybe she did about two or three years ago. So yeah, I just think that she's in a good spot going into this latest reign, which now begs the question, Natalie, what do you do with Rose Namajunas? Because there's not really an obvious answer. There is no obvious answer, correct. There's people saying she should get an immediate rematch with Wei Lee. Of course, that's what Wei Lee wants. I don't want that. You know, when you smoke somebody like Namajunas did to, to Wei Lee, like, that's it. You just move on. Get back in line. You know, circle back. Come back to me when you've when you've uh, earned us a, a spot again at the number one as the contender. Uh, you know, you think about Conor McGregor, Josie Alder. I mean, there's plenty of times where you get a, a knockout and it's that's it. You know, no rematch. If you go the distance and it's a close one, then we want to see it again. Tyron Woodley, Wonder Boy, Kamaru Usman, Jorge Masvidal. Right. This instance, I'm not interested. But then it's it's the question is okay well then who does she fight? Double G, I have no idea. Who does she fight? I mean, so I don't know. <laughs> so I mean, one thing that I will say is that had Wei Li won, you really feel like they would have really wanted that fight with Yan Shanan who fights Carla. I believe it's this month. It may be early next month, but I want to say it's on a card this month. Because, you know, the Battle of China and Yan is on a great run and she kind of poked poked that Wei Li a little bit before her last fight. Uh, I feel like that would have been an easy one. I will say now with Rose and the way she did it is that, okay, Carla's been resurgent and that would be a nice story. Like, oh, Carla gave her that loss and it was the first title fight and how much have they grown? I, I get that sell. Does it reach you know, Rose Joanna or Rose Wei Li levels of interest at this moment? I'm going to be honest, say no. But I certainly get how that would be the obvious choice. Yan Shonan, if she beats Carla, I, I mean, it's kind of like, why not? I mean, I think when you look at straw weight, you know, you have that situation. If it's not Zhang Wei Li, she's beaten Joanna twice. Um, like a Jessica Andrade trilogy doesn't make sense right now, especially, you know, we don't know if Jessica feels like staying at 125 or going back down. So what we have is just really like, hey, you know, either of these fights is probably going to not feel as epic. But at the end of the day, you know, and I think that's now going to be the struggle. Like, can Rose perform like she did when it's not this mega fight? And I think that um, that's something to be worth watching. But when you know what she can do, it's hard not to be excited to watch her against anybody just to see her perform similar to um <laughs> the flyweight champion which we'll get into in a minute uh i want to um shameless plug did you watch my interview with tatiana suarez uh, recently yes this week no i did not i'm so sorry <gasps> anyway <laughs> so... it's funny that you say that, ask if i watch because i was gonna make a comment i'll save it for later about your time covering this event but okay i did not i, I missed that interview so i'm sorry so I spoke with her and I think a lot of people were like, well, is Tatiana going to come back, you know, pick up where she left off this summer and, you know, still undefeated? Could that just next level wrestling be the possible answer for, you know, Rose and someone like that? Tatiana did say that unless she were given a title eliminator, she's actually heavily leaning toward moving up to flyweight. She feels like you know, she's been thinking about it a long time. She's a little taller for straw weight and said that, you know, even though I make it, you know, and it's tough, I just feel like I feel so strong in the gym. I don't feel that strength when I'm in the fight after I've cut the weight. So my point of that is like, okay, if you're taking Tatiana Suarez off the board, now you're talking about after Carla and Jan Shonan, Mackenzie Dern coming up. And, you know, I guess the question is, is, are these other girls, you know, four through six, is there someone do you feel who could upset Rose Namajunas? I will say the Rose Namajunas I saw on Saturday, uh, no, there's not. The one person, actually, as you, as you were um, recalling that interview, I did see the clip on Instagram, so I take it back. I didn't watch it because um, 
I, when you were saying, I was like, oh yeah, I did hear that somewhere. I heard it mm-hmm. on your page. <laughs> um, but yeah, actually, it's funny because I, after she won Rose and she was on stage and I, I started thinking, I was like, oh man, who's next? Who's next? And I got a little nervous when Tatiana Suarez's name floated through my head because I thought, oh boy, like just, you know, because of her size and her style, I really thought that could have been a strong test for Rose. But of course, she's got got her eye somewhere else unless they give her this shot right away, which I don't think would happen. I mean, Carlos Barza, as you mentioned, Jan Chonan, Mackenzie Jordan is someone they're pushing. She has strong power and that amazing grappling. I wouldn't be surprised if she gets a title shot sooner rather than later because I can just imagine the UFC marketing, you know, the poster, Rose and McKenzie, like it's just, it just looks great. It sells. So I bet that's, uh, that's just around the corner there. But of course we have to see what happens with the Sparza, Jan Jonan. And then there's Joanna and Jacek. I mean, I don't necessarily, does anyone want to see a third fight between them? No. And what does Joanna have to do to earn that? shot again at the title I don't know it's a tricky spot for her I think we talked about it last week she's kind of in the number two position with like she's in the number two position but also at the same time like in limbo it's very strange that doesn't usually happen to someone ranked that high on one of these uh, in the UFC I think she's just in a tough spot that unless she I get it. You know, you've already done so much that it's hard to say like, yeah, I'm going to go out there and fight the number, you know, five, number six girl in the world and try to build my way up and wait for somebody else. Like wait for Rose to not have a better option. Wait for Wei Li to not have a better option. I get why that would be frustrating. And she loves fighting. I believe her when she says it. I also believe... That when you know you could be very happy and doing all this other stuff, no one wants to be screwed, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, financially and feel like they're getting the short end of a deal somewhere. I think that Joanna just feels that way. It's like, look, you know, there's no other big fights unless it's a title fight at strawweight. So what am I really doing? You know, I'm giving someone else the opportunity. I'm not really building and adding anything for me fighting, you know, the... Uh, you know, just the smaller, you know, less, uh, less ranked, lower ranked girls in the division. So uh, I don't know. I think for my money, they're going to wait to see if Carla wins. And if Carla just, you know, handles it, I think that they'll just lean all the way into that for Rose. And then if not, well, Zhang Weili's right there. And you could probably sell that just off Zhang Weili's star power right now. So and that'll be that. We'll call it macaroni. <laughs> My favorite thing to do. Um, what is there to say about Valentina Shevchenko? Dude, I mean, the woman is like, I was telling my husband, I was like, if the, if the aliens come to Earth and they say, send us, you know, and we need to pick like a representative, someone who can intelligently communicate with the aliens, who can represent us well who can intimidate them at the same time as (laughs) enchant them, you know, she's like the most complete human being I can think of. I don't think there's ever been past, present or future, a more complete human being. And what we saw her do to Andrade completely manhandle her, own her smoke. She smoked her, played her at her own game, dominated her, and then embarrassed her because when you get defeated in the UFC via crucifix, it's like, oh my God, <laughs> you, it's like, you know, the big brother beating up the kid brother. That's just so rare. You saw DC do it to Ozdemir. Shevchenko did it to, who did she do it to? Chukagian, I think. I can't remember now. Yep. And then to Andrade, who was like the only person that anyone thought had a chance at beating her at 125 smoked her and the way she stands up and looks around with her arms out it's like the gladiator moment like were you not entertained she's got vodka and ice in her veins i mean she's just an incredible human being so you know what she she inspired that dos Equis commercial but (laughs) they weren't ready to make it a woman you know what i mean yep but um no i look she 
I think her performance, I mean, when they said, oh, well, everyone thought Jessica would try to out-wrestle Valentina. I honestly, in my mind, I was like, really? Wait, what? I didn't know that was a thing. I, I, I honestly thought, well, Jessica, you know, you know no one takes your lunch money, even in losses. You're going to get in her face. You can try to chop away with some kicks and you're just going to make this one ugly and get after it. And instead, Valentina just managed the distance, never took a hit, got into all the right positions to just get on top of uh, Jessica. Mind you, take away her two biggest weapons, getting, you know, her striking and her abilities if she gets top position. And really, man, just efficient. I will say that was arguably her most efficient performance. Her ability, you know, didn't take damage, position before submission, uh... You know, you said everything. I can't add more to the crucifix. Just very brilliant against somebody who, let's be honest, she wasn't supposed to be able to do that to Jessica also. Maybe beat her, but she was not supposed to make it look easier. This is a girl who should have been tougher, stronger, faster, hits harder than Jennifer Maya, Caitlin, Jessica I. Just didn't happen. And I think that's all full credit to just how good Valentina is at this stage of the game. Um, I mean, I, I'm going to tell you this. When I was done with the night, I really, I thought about, well, had Zhang Wei Li won and Valentina won. And I'm like, well, and, and I'll say this, and I say this in the most respectful way possible. You know how we've talked about Rory McDonald and um, Douglas Lima fighting Giga Musasi at 185? Mm-hmm. Is the same thing. They are fantastic fighters who are on great runs going into those fights. The size difference and the skill level just made it a non-affair. Non, just, and I, I believe that honestly about most of those girls at one at one fifteen. If you talk about you know Joanna, how she performed, great, just too small, didn't have the power. Jessica. Zhang, if Zhang Weili, mind you, Rose has trained with Valentina. I don't think she's interested in doing that. And, you know, which is all good. But I just don't see any straw weight at all being able to move up right now. And in this moment, take out Valentina. Which leads to it now. You got Lauren Murphy and Jojo Calderwood. Next woman up situation. All right, I get that. But I can't say the Valentina we saw on Saturday really more so than ever. It's hard to see any of these girls taking it from her. Like, you tell me she's going to fight either of them four months from now, I say, just, you know, call it a day. It's hard to see anybody, respectfully. Those, respectfully, those two fighters you named, JoJo, Lauren Murphy, you know, it's like, yeah, you get your title shot because that's just the nature of this division. You know, (laughs) you win one fight, you win two fights, you get title shot. But there's no chance they win they can beat Valentina Shevchenko, and that's fine. She's just that good, that special. That's it. And what I, I think is kind of funny, I like it, is that she's not, she said at the press conference, you know, and uh, and she said it before, she's really just wants to sit in her thro- on her throne at 125 and let the UFC put up one fighter after another, after another, after another. She's not calling anybody out. She's not trying to make super fights. She knows if she stays at 125 and does her thing, it's just going to be, you know, getting to train what she loves and cementing her legacy. If the UFC says we want to do a round three, you know, rubber match with Nunes, okay, sure, let's go. But she's not going to ask for it. I I think that's really cool. Um, And it's going to be pretty easy for her to continue dancing with the belt. around her waist in the octagon for the foreseeable future. Like I said, just when I think about the best Lauren Murphy or the best Jojo Calderwood, do they beat the best Valentina? You know, Bro, it's they don't just... even beat the worst Valentina. No okay, offense. that was cruel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let that go now. <laughs> um, you know what? Uh, the Chris Weidman thing. Oh, boy. I could tell, look, so we're interviewing Anthony Smith all week, you know, in the moment. And uh, Oscar Willis, the guy who runs the Mac Life YouTube, he reacts to it. And then, you know, because we're all, I'm looking at Anthony personally. 
and then I see, you know, it looks like Weidman's just completely rolled out his ankle, you know, like, because I just see he threw a kick and he pulled back. Yeah. Right? And it's uh, Oscar and maybe the other guys that just, just didn't speak up sees that, oh, he just Anderson silva his leg. Yeah. Uh, and then you're aware, you hear, uh, there's just this awareness that something just happened in the arena. Like the air Terrible. Ch- yeah. shifted. And mind you, we're not even in there to see it live happen. Then, of course, the replay is going. We still got Anthony Smith. Just um, prayers up for Weidman. Um, it's the, the irony is not lost that, you know, how rare is this? And it happens to the guy who was involved in the other time it happened against Anderson Silva. Um, just, uh, I'm glad to hear he was doing better. I'm glad to hear his surgery went okay today. And, you know, all of that, I just want to say like, you know what, just prayers up for Chris. And, you know, I know where he was at, you know, going into the fight and obviously, you know, where does he go moving forward? That's a long time from now to even think about. So I just want to say prayers up for Chris Weidman, but it had an impact on everybody and it certainly changed the tone, even though we had some great title fights afterward. Yeah, man, that was a horrifying freak accident. And I'll just say this, it was, you know, it was mentioned on that night and throughout social media, but like the connection is just wild Chris Weidman Anderson Silva and Uriah Hall just so strange man what is like what is the world trying to trying to tell us like why are these three men connected in this horrific way it's just crazy Anderson Silva breaks his leg on Chris Weidman's uh, knee Uriah Hall's the last man to defeat Anderson Silva he fights Chris Weidman Chris Weidman the first shot he throws it, it was a, it was like a ro- he reared back like soccer kick man he really <laughs> He really was trying to whip his leg, and and then he breaks his shin in the exact same way. It's just unbelievable. I was thinking the same. I was thinking this, and then I heard Luke Thomas say the same thing. It's like if someone wrote a script, an MMA script, and and this was their plot, everybody would say like that's ridiculous. It would never happen. No one's gonna buy it. And then it happened. It's crazy, man. I, I you know who doesn't feel for Chris Wyden right now? Who isn't sending positive energy his way? The man's had an interesting run in the UFC a lot of highs and a lot of lows and at it you know we just wish the best we're just wishing the best for Chris yeah I can't add anything more just um once again reiterate that sentiment um uh you know what uh to close it out if it the night wasn't weird enough <laughs> several times Jake Paul's you know just I don't well I, I I'll say this I like that DC, you know, confronted him. You knew nothing was ever going to happen, but I appreciate the sentiment. I just appreciate the fact that he wasn't going to let him get away with it. Like, you know what, Jake? Come say it now. And, you know, you knew nothing was ever going to happen. There's just way too many people around and all that. Unless you're Brian Ortega, but that's another story. <laughs> um... But you know what? Just final thoughts on the night because we obviously still have a couple news hits before the show <laughs> rolls out. Uh, two things. Um, DC confronting Jake Paul. I get why he did it, but I also wish he wouldn't have put more attention on the man. Like it's just making Jake Paul seem all that more important. Okay, moving on. Yeah. My other point is, uh, it's a comment. I want to give you mega props, Double G, because. I kept hearing your voice all fight week and at the press conference, the post-fight press conference, you were asking really awesome questions and it was just great to hear you being in there in the mix, talking to Valentina, talking to Rose, you know, talking to Dana White. Like it was great. I know you're doing this all the time, but it was just really awesome to hear you uh, being the man on the mic out there. So congrats, man. Thank you so much for that, Natalie. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. <sighs> we got so much more to talk about, man. <laughs> Uh, you know what? So um, PFL. Uh, just to wrap it up, we won't get into any of the fights, but the results: Clay Collard upsets new signee Anthony Pettis. Martin Held, I uh, believe that one he upset uh, Nathan Schultz. Yeah. Oh and yeah. I wrote it down. I don't want to. It is Nathan Schultz. Yeah. Uh, Bubba Jenkins defeated Lance Palmer. By the way, Nathan Schultz and Lance Palmer, both two-time PFL champions, both hadn't lost in a while. You know, Natalie, just PFL, 
we, we talked about a lot. Why aren't they back? What's taking so long? Etc. Etc. You know, and on night one, probably three of the biggest upsets they've ever had in about two hours span. Did it change anything about how you feel about, I guess, your interest level in PFL? Because we talk about a lot. There's already so much MMA. It's hard to hit those highs for every promotion. And one of the things about PFL is that season two felt like a rerun of season one. And that was one of the things that hurt him. So what did you think about night one? You have all these upsets. Yeah, the upsets didn't bother me. Actually, it made me think, okay, now I really want to see how these guys are going to respond, how they're going to rebound, right? And, you know, they're not out of the tournament yet. They have another chance. So let's see what they can do, especially Anthony Pettis. Clay Collard smoked him, dude. It was just easy work for him. The head kick at the end was Pettis' only chance, and I wish he had been able to capitalize on it, but not to be. Okay, that was a big shock. That was a, you know, PFL not expecting that, Anthony Pettis not expecting that, obviously. So I'm really curious to see how he bounces back from this. So not at all dismayed, but actually um, motivated to keep watching. I'm, uh, I'm excited, and there's still more big names to come. So this is, this is good. Yeah, I think that it does a lot to renew the interest once again. You got a lot of big names coming up. Rory McDonald and Ray Cooper this week. Uh, Kayla Harrison, I think, is next week. And then Fabricio Verdum is the following. I may have those mixed up, but I know Rory and Ray both compete. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's good. Anything that changes up breaks the status quo after that's the number one complaint, I think. Look, everything else, you know, well, I wish there were more this and that, you know, big names, etc. There's, we know the UFC takes a lot of the air out of the room. And then Bellator and One have already done such a great job. So I get PFL being the last on the totem pole. But I do appreciate the fact that, you know, things are trending in a good way. And there were some solid fights, solid performances, solid MMA. I know they have the state-of-the-art cage. I'll be honest, when I watched, I didn't really get the full impact of it as a fan. I'm hoping they are able to lean into it more as the broadcasts keep going. Safe to say. What about you? Yeah, as far as the cage technology, like I thought they already had the, the, the stats at the bottom in previous seasons. So how much more information are they offering? I'm not entirely sure. But in general, even when they had information last season... It's a little bit harder for me. It's a little bit hard for me to like process all that information because you're trying to watch the fight, and then like the print, the font is very small because they don't want to take up space, obviously, uh, of the fight. So it's kind of nice that it's there. It's kind of more cool that it's there, but I haven't gotten used to like absorbing the extra information throughout the fight yet, and I don't know. I don't know if I ever will. You know, it's just a lot to ask. Of my brain. Just my brain. I don't know about anybody else's. But, um, you know, I like that they're trying new things and it's something they can sell. So it's it's good for them to say we're the only ones that have this. I always say as long as it gets more efficient, I think people can adapt to anything and make it the norm. But yeah. on night one, I uh, didn't really feel too much of it, if I'm being honest. But right. I'd, it's cool. I like, cool. you know, who doesn't want cooler stuff, right? <laughs> uh, Marvin Vittori. Fighting Israel Adesanya this June. I'll be honest, this one kind of hit me out of left field. Um, I had a feeling that if they were going to try to live crowd the June card, they were going to need something else, right? Like, I didn't think they would be able to get another title. But then again, let's be honest, it's very hard to find big enough non-title fights these days. So the fact that they're getting Israel, who just fought in June, sorry, not June, but in March... Coming off that loss, now coming back down to fight Marvin Vittori, who we just saw three weeks ago. My, is my math right, or is it two weeks? Yeah, yeah. two weeks. Two weeks. My goodness. I mean, uh, you got to think about it. That's a little over a month away, a month and some change, month and a uh, month and a half from now. That's pretty wild to me. And then when you think about Adesanya's got to do the quarantine and all that, and you know, they talked about it. Dana White addressed it. They went to Robert Whitaker first. They wanted Robert Whitaker. I read the headline that I guess they offered Whitaker the fight with Adesanya in June, an hour after he fought five rounds with Kelvin Gastelum. <laughs> Remember, I mean, this is a guy who's still probably in quarantine in Australia. I, 
I respect him not taking the fight that quick, if I'm being honest. I feel like, you know what, when you think about it, all that would have done was helped Adesanya. Because if Adesanya already knew he was getting ready, that's just... If I'm being honest, you he's locked it in that he can get he can wait a minute. I respect Marvin Vittori's gamesmanship. I respect Adesanya for saying, you know what, all right, let's do this. But I I'd be lying if I said I wasn't surprised. I really felt like you could have really waited and really tried to sell out an arena with Adesanya and Rob in New Zealand. What about you? Yeah, I, I'm surprised that they weren't a little more patient with this. But Adesanya was probably you know, raring to go. He wanted to get back in there, back on the winning side of things. And I agree with you. Smart move for Whitaker to decline the fight. It just doesn't make sense. Like, that's the one you want. That's the, the thing you're after is the belt. Adesanya beat him pretty soundly. The first time around, you're not going to take any chances and, you know, go all ego and say, yes, I'm, I'll take him, I'll take him. No, man, you got to take your time. You got to prepare. That was the right thing to do. Adesanya's doing what he needs to do. So Vittori's kind of the one that's getting you know, uh, push through a little bit fast, but maybe not. I mean, June, what are we in April? Yeah. So that's plenty of time. So good for him. I think it's a win, 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 um, for the, for them, but for the fans and for the UFC, yeah, I probably would have been better to just wait, but okay, we'll watch. And by the way, I told you a hey, five fight win streak. Don't be surprised if this guy gets a title shot. Cause anything could happen. We knew it should have been Rob. I didn't think it was going to, but yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Hey, you know what? It just goes to show. You just stay ready sometimes because anything could happen. And that's yep. why a lot of these fights, it's like, hey, just go out there and worry about you because you never know. Gilbert Burns, perfect example, you know. So, uh, look, props to uh, Vittori. He's on a good run. Um, we know how good Israel is at 185. Let's see it. Um, that one, by the way, Phoenix, Arizona. And it looks like Dana's really going to push for a full house. I don't hate it. You know what? If we're doing it, we're doing it. Let's do it, baby. Finally. <laughs> okay, Oscar. <laughs> um, finally, uh, Dana White says essentially they are moving on from Derek Lewis. Sorry, from John Jones. And the fight now they're focused on is uh, Derek Lewis to take on new champion Francis Ngannou. Um, Dana White said John Jones was asking $30 million. Jones said, I didn't, I never said the number 30 million, never gave that number. Were you talking to somebody who represented me? Because that wasn't me. And then today, of course, very recently, right before we get on the air, John Jones and first round management run by Abe and Malkikawa. They have Jorge Masvidal, I think Paige, Paige Van Zandt and a couple other big names. They announced after 11 years they're parting ways with John Jones. They both said nice things about each other. Natalie, I feel like this is, for one, um, and we'll talk about Lewis and Ngannou in a second, but I feel like this is significant. Because if you ask me, and we've talked about this, how uh, John Jones right now is the biggest, against anybody, is the biggest fight in MMA right now. I think that moving up to heavyweight, if he were to somehow let all that muscle go and go back down to 205, after everything that happened with Adesanya, with McGregor, the return of John Jones is now the must-watched fight of 2021, if you ask me, personally. And so now, you know, the fact that they somehow weren't able to come to terms to fight for the heavyweight title after all that, I don't know. Like, Look, the fact is, the Kawas have gotten Jones a lot of money. They've gotten Masvidal a lot of money. You know, you really can't do much better as an MMA manager than to get these guys to lucrative deals. And I've heard Paige say, hey, look, they know what they're doing when mm -hmm. I joined them because I was managerless for a while because, you know, I had so much stuff going on. I wanted someone who could manage it, you know, no pun intended, mm -hmm. properly and who could get the max out of what I was worth. And said the Kawas in first round knew how to do that. The fact that John Jones, after all these years, leaves them, I don't know. And um, I, I think, well, is he going to do, like, manager lists? Is he going to go with someone more private who's just going to be, I don't care about the MMA business, I care about the money business, and this is what he's worth, and I'm just going to fight for this dollar amount even if we lose some other stuff? I don't know. I don't know if I could see him, for example, after all this, he signs with a 
you know, Dominance MMA, Ali Abdelaziz, or I believe it's Brian Butler is another big one, but mm-hmm. I just don't see making that jump because what I imagine, I don't see how this fight, how you would have this kind of separation unless it was because of this situation with the heavyweight title. I just feel like they're connected. It may be a little uh, tinfoil hat, but to me, there's just too much there that makes me feel like, how is this happening? What are, What were your thoughts? Yeah, it's it's surprising. It's a little disconcerting. Like, what is John Jones? What is his plan? What is where is his mind right now? When Malky uh, posts that, you know, had nothing the sep the, the the separation the parting ways had nothing to do with the Ngannou negotiations. That John's been handling that on his own. He wanted to speak for himself. Uh, when it came to he, I'm quoting here. When it came to the last few fights. Um, that John Jones wanted to speak for himself. That's just kind of strange. Because they've done so well together, you think, like, your managers who have gotten you this far and who who are now operating at a higher level than they were when you guys started, who are primed and poised to get you the best deal ever, this is when you feel like you can do it better? Okay. You know, whatever. Maybe he doesn't just... Maybe he just doesn't want to pay them anymore, but in which case, like... You handling negotiations on yourself isn't helping your pocketbook, so maybe you do need someone else out there talking for you. So it's just disconcerting. We'll see how it shakes out, but um, I get the feeling from the first round side that, you know, it was not their idea, and they're just trying to, you know, put the best spin on it that they can and, you know, move on with their lives, focus on their other clients. John Jones is going to do John Jones, and and that's it. You know, I'll I'll just go back to it one last time. I'm just very shocked with... uh, uh, This was a win-win. I mean, Stipe wins, Ngannou wins, they fight John Jones, and it's still a huge fight. Like, how does this... And we talked about that, like, oh, you know, I had the best conversation ever with John. About what? What happened? Like, wh- why is there still an issue, Dana? I-, I-, I am just so confounded because I think when you talk about, okay, there's no Jorge versus Colby fight. There's no Habib return. There's no Connors coming off a loss right now. I feel like this was one they should have had lined up because uh, to me, and-, and respectfully, I don't see a bigger fight on the horizon right now in MMA. You know, we have a lot of great fights and great matchups and big names still Adesanya's still big and and Ganu's doing very well and the fight with Derek Lewis if that is what ends up happening next it's not a bad fight it's not John Jones Titanic but uh, proportions but it's still a fun good fight and certainly not just a one-sided fight in any way for either guy but to me I'm just very bewildered and the fact that you know, if that is the case, we are not getting John Jones next for the heavyweight title. I just, I don't know what happened. And I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, once again, I, if you deserve to get paid, get paid. But I do feel like somehow both sides have led to something that was not the best for the sport. We ended up losing out on the biggest fight that can be made right now. Agreed, for sure. Yeah. Oh boy, that was a lot. <laughs> I'm gonna just throw this out there before you know it gets too late. And uh, I, Hamza Chmaev is out there tweeting or Instagramming. Nick Diaz, surprise, surprise, I see you. I just, I don't know how. I, and so they're talking about the return of Nick. I'll be honest, I've never been. I felt like he had kind of just moved on. I'm yeah. sure he likes competing and. MMA as a sport in general, but the business of all that I felt like was over. And Nick Diaz versus Hamzat. I mean, okay. What What about you? I mean, can you give the guy like a, a you know, a tune-up? Like he hasn't fought in forever. When he hasn't won forever, that seems like a tough out. Uh, that's a little unfair. Like it's Nick Diaz. It's almost like the UFC is like. We just want him for his name. We don't care how he performs or how he walks away from the fight. I mean, come on, make it a little more even. Uh, no offense to Nick Diaz. If anything, it's just because of 
you know, lack of activity, I would say, make it more even. Give them someone who's maybe around the same age who has not fought as frequently. I mean, just, am I wrong here? Am I, like, trying to be too nice to Nick Diaz? No, you're completely (laughs) fine. I just, I don't... You know, some guys, they just break all the rules and it works. And I get it. He brings it and the fans are ride or die for him. And so, you know what, if that's what's going to happen, then it's like, you know what, just throw down and have a good fight. I'll get over anything if we have a good fight. Does it make sense? Absolutely not. But just throw down then. That's all I'm going to say about Nick. It's like, yeah. it, it doesn't make sense, but I get it. He tends to, whether he wins or he loses, it tends to be good television. So True. that there it is. That's where we're at. We still got one more thing to talk about, Natalie. UFC Vegas 25. I don't know how you go from Saturday back <laughs> to the Quiet Apex, but that's what we're doing. Um, Dominic Reyes returns to take on longtime Ryzen veteran Jiri Prochaska. He barely had his UFC debut on Fight Island last summer. He knocked out uh, Volkan Uzdemir, and now he's taken on arguably the number two or three light heavyweight in the world right now in Reyes. What are your thoughts on the fight? Uh, it's what Dominic needs to to get you know back on the uh, positive side of things. And watching Jerry's fight with Ozdemir, you know, he was, he's a showman, right? He was like doing all these uh, antics and he, he ate a lot of shots. He's just lucky that his chin survived Ozdemir's punches. And it almost seemed like luck that he happened to be the one to land the, the, the blows. Like they were just kind of going back and forth and Volcan was landing to me, the harder shots. Jerry hits him with the head kick, finishes with the one, two drops him. It's over. Okay. You're not going to get away with that fighting someone like Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes has, really awesome offense striking i think he beat john jones i'll say it till the day i die so there's there's that caliber of fighter that you're up against and he lost to jan blahovitz but you know sometimes you have a bad night but that's not going to be the case for dominic ray's next saturday so or this coming saturday i'm going to just go ahead and give you my pick while we're at it Uh, i think it's going to be dom round two ko because uh, he's just a superior fighter you know, so one of the things about Jiri that I feel like you got to acknowledge, I'm aware that most people probably don't know him going into this unless you are. Uh, I think that there are hardcore fans and then there's the American Ryzen level hardcore fans. I'm talking about watch fights start at 1 a.m. and at 5 a.m. Yeah. Live hardcore fans. <laughs> Those are the people who know how good Jiri is. And I know the Ryzen people get a bad rap sometimes that... uh a lot of inflated records over there, but if you, I don't know if you remember watching it, but uh, you had Kana Watanabe who upset uh, Alejandro Lara in Bellator in their first one back about three weeks ago, I think. Um, just go, you know, she was coming off a Ryzen and just really handled a tough veteran. They've got some solid talent over there, and you know, to their credit, you know, they've discovered people such as um, oh man, Kyoji Horiguchi. Mm-hmm. You know, who won the Bellator title too. I almost blanked on him. See, this is my, my thing, you know. Once again, there's so much UFC. It's kind of hard <laughs> to keep up with all the rosters. But look, the fact is they have some really solid talent. And I think that Jiri coming over, uh, they clearly got him. One, he's on a great run. I think he's, uh, it's like over 10 fight win streak right now. Um, obviously a showman. Has a lot of finishes on his record. I think that... The thing that helps is that he does is not as physically imposing as Jan Blahovich, not as tall and I think as athletically gifted as John Jones. That helps a guy like Dominic Reyes, who has the speed, a lot of those physical attributes on his side, um, very versatile attack. I think it's really going to come down to the defense of Reyes. I think that the best Dom has the weapons. However, I think that this becomes one of those fights that he really has to be on it because you get a little too wild. Jiri has proven himself to be a guy who could take a few hits and obviously he will get in your face and he could really devastate you. So I think that that's really the big key. It's got to be defense for Reyes. 
He's the more technical fighter. Uses kicks, uses length. Make Jiri, you know, swing at air, get in and out at the right times. And I do think Reyes has all the tools to run away with it. But once again, it's the defense because one thing about Jiri is that he has proven he can walk you down if you are not up to the challenge defensively. So that's where I'm at. Um, I'm with you there. I got Dominic Reyes too. I think that... um. I think that it's been long enough since the Blahovich fight that he's gone back to the gym to work on what he needs to work on. And I think once again, you know, I, I, I recognize that too. The level that he can reach, I do think that's still there in him. And I have full confidence that he's going to be able to take this one. I just don't think Prochaska, Jir Prochaska has the physical attributes needed to overcome the best Dominic Reyes right now. What's your pick round? What round do you think? Let's go round three. Okay. Round three, KO? You know what, TKO, yeah. I think it's just going to be a slow breakdown for him. Okay. I'm going to start writing these down so I can rub it in your face every week. No, I'm just kidding. You mean like how you picked Jorge Masvidal via violence? Yeah, but I picked, yes, I did pick him via violence. I didn't know he wasn't going to show up. I mean, you did. You also wanted to remind me about Ben Askren, Jake Paul, but you see okay. how I don't bring that up. But you should. Did I, did I pick Kamaru Usman by first round knockout? I feel like I did. I think you honestly, I think you did round two. Let's see. Oh, it's see. I'm gonna find this right now and play it. But do you see me rubbing it in? No. no I'm a good come friend. On, just do it. That's the point of making these predictions. So Man, no, because then what if one of us has like a freaking 25 win streak? Then it's like now it's just me. Anyway, um, you guys, thank you for hanging out with us. Next week, it's another stack. This week is stacked too. I mean, you have PFL, Rory, and Ray Cooper. You've got UFC. You've got one championship. Eddie Alvarez returns. Um, you have uh, Colby Northcutt. You got Angla taking on Rainier de Ritter, who upset him last year. So it's another loaded weekend of MMA. So it's going to be quite a lot to keep up with. Next week doubleheader UFC Vegas TJ Dillashaw versus Corey Sanhagen Bellator Bantamweight title Juan Archuleta taking on Sergio Pettis and then of course the big light heavyweight fight the Bellator debut of Rumble Johnson against Yoel Romero and then I, I gotta say I think also the return of Kayla Harrison in PFL so you know more the more MMA than you could shake a stick at in Jacksonville so guys definitely thank you for hanging out with us we'll be back next week we'll recap the action we'll look ahead to the latest stuff until then take care